Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. It's humiliating enough being a poet. This pen is loaded and I'm not afraid to use it. Wax poetic. I'll get drunk with you anytime because our philosophies are indestructible. Dawson of Dawson's Creek does not look cute to me. However, Dawson's dad is hot. If you know why the pigs on barbecue joint signs are always smiling, you know what it truly means to be in love. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. I'm one of your hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other host, Pamela Bentley. And we're really happy to have in studio Amber Dawn. Hi, Amber. Hi, thanks for having me. So glad you could make it. We've had to shuffle and shuffle and shuffle, but finally, things New Year, we get to get you in here. That's excellent. Yeah. Happy 2014. Uh, so we uh, usually get our guests just to kick things off with a piece, so go for it. I am going to read the title poem from my book, How Poetry Saved My Life, uh, meaning both the book and this particular poem are titled, How Poetry Saved My Life. There wasn't a voice from above, no tunnel of light. I didn't awaken in a hospital room to doctors cheering, you're a lucky young lady, you almost didn't make it. There was a missing women's poster wrapped around a telephone pole on the corner of Pandora and Victoria. When I say poetry saved my life, I should also mention other forces. By 1999, all the cars cruising the kitty stroll had power-locked doors. Crystal meth turned the girls on each other, and I hated fighting women. Sheila Catherine Egan, four years younger than I am, disappeared the previous July and has still not been found. I am white, and while my genes are likely predisposed to addiction, I can use and quit and use and quit anything. These privileges allowed me to admit that it was a terrifying time to be working outside, and I no longer wanted to die 4,000 miles away from the small river town, riverbed town where I was born. And yes, poetry must be thanked, too. The written word can be a faithful witness if you're willing to show yourself. Moreover, poetry reunited me with the girl who didn't mind the endless backwoods tree line and was thrilled by the sound of coyotes screaming at night. Someday, I'll write about her. (laughs) Is that her you? Yes. (laughs) I do that a lot throughout this book, in particular in the poems. There's the her, the third person, and there's also the you, the second person, where I'm sort of talking to myself, but also gently nudging the reader to imagine themselves in my shoes. Um, And, of course, the first person, I, is the dominant voice throughout this. Well, there's aspects of yourself, right? Like like you said, it brings you back to that girl who likes those things. Mm -hmm. I also did a scan of the book, and I realized that when I use the I voice, I'm the most comfortable with the content. Mm-hmm. I use the you voice when I'm uh, perhaps a little less comfortable or I want to make the political statement of having people imagine, having readers imagine themselves in my shoes. Uh, and the her is where I'm just absolutely uncomfortable with what I've written, but mm-hmm. still wanted to write it anyways. That's, that's kind of what I figured. I mean, I, I've done the same thing in poems as well. Mm-hmm. And then you can say, well, yeah, it's kind of me, but... Not really. 
Hmm. It's a beautiful thing about poetry. It gives you a device where you can um, step away from yourself or gaze at yourself in a you know a beautiful, dignified, creative way, uh, but still say those really brutal, tough things. Hmm. Why do you think you needed that? that distance between the, the, the third person and the first person. Mm-hmm. Leading up to this book, I read a lot of uh, quote-unquote sex worker memoirs uh, where the I person and prose uh, was used throughout. And I found both that I probably just didn't have the wherewithal to do that particular type of project. Um, I also felt that the authors of those books seemed to be under a certain amount of pressure to uh, from time to time explain or excuse themselves or uh, to remind their readers that they are in fact human and I just didn't want to feel apologetic or shameful about my experiences whatsoever so I tried to create comfort uh, with myself and the material and the reader and the material in other ways classic creative writing techniques like using the second person uh, point of view um, and and other things that would avoid the apology yeah 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 do you just as you were saying that I was wondering do you think that um, writing in the I voice at least let me frame it like this. When I do that, sometimes I worry about, okay, this has to be so true that if I'm saying I, if I do, if I'm somehow in there, I might be accused of lying or making something up or that sort of thing. But if you use, you know, the second or third person, you can still talk about those same things. But, you know, you've, you've maybe given yourself a little bit of freedom to not have to be like factually accurate, but still be true. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that... Um memoirists or people who write about autobiographical material are always looking for ways to be as accurate as possible but still have um, the most structurally creative presentation for readers. Um, So people use things like composite characters. Mm -hmm. uh, So you don't have to meet 20 characters to get that one key message that you actually want in your story. Um, You know, things like uh, changing the setting from what the original setting was so that you really have something like an empathetic setting where the setting matches what the protagonist or the I is feeling Feeling in a story. So I I do think that truth can be mutable. Uh, For me, I was more interested in sort of emotional truth or message-based truth rather than... um, exact accuracy around dates, people, how many people. Definitely I'm not disclosing anyone's true identities. Uh, Most of the characters... Particularly if they're an 80s star. If they're an 80s star (laughs) and they appear in this book, hopefully you don't know who they are. Or, you know, they can be whoever. I'll... I'll qualify that. Um, there is a story which is kind of the the uh, raciest story, I think, in the collection uh, where I am hired to do a hotel call for a uh, famous sort of late 80s uh, movie star and um, and keep her identity, of course, secret like I would with anyone yeah, that I ever I worked with. To. And I, when people ask me, who is it? Who is it? Is it this star? Is it that star? I, I tell them, it's whoever you need it to be. Uh, whoever. Do you drop clues as to who it might <laughs> no. be? No, no, not at all. I, I, whoever oh. whoever um, reigns the nostalgia in your own mind, make it that person. That's uh. a really good answer. Because I, when I was reading that, I thought, I bet you get asked that all the time. I was, you know, the the book is called How Poetry Saved My Life, but then it also has the Hustler's Memoir. So it's memoir. There is both prose and poetry in that. And when you were talking about the pronouns and the and the distancing, um, the one piece that 
I thought was really interesting what you were doing um, was the one about um, going to the house that has the harbor view mm-hmm. and you interrupt the narrative and talk about what you're doing and what you want the reader to be feeling at that moment and what and and, and it was it was really interesting because when I finished reading that I was like that was very effective but I'm not really sure what I am meant to be <laughs> thinking about or feeling right now and I also got the sense that maybe you weren't even sure when you were mm-hmm. you, you wanted to tell it and you wanted to explore it but perhaps there wasn't a definitive I don't know if you can yeah it's not a definitive I could go back to this book if I ever wanted to, and rewrite that very piece. It's called Lioness, the work. Um, And I first penned that uh, when I was an MFA uh, at UBC. And it just wasn't right. It just wasn't coming out right there. You know, the details were lining up. um, But what I wanted to say with all these details, and here's where truth and message sometimes need to be played with. I know what truly happened, but what did those personal true experiences say to my audience? Mm-hmm. I, and I grappled mm-hmm. with that particular piece for mm-hmm. a long time. Uh, a year before this book came out, Room Magazine, um, Canadian Canada's Literary Quarterly uh, by and for women, uh, asked me to do something um, on labor and sex work. And so I, I revised Line as the work, the story. And, and just, I was on a deadline, so I was like, this is it, this is it. This has got to be <laughs> it because I have to deliver it to them and I can't fuss with this anymore. And, yeah. and then I fussed with it one more time to include it in this book. Um, I I really don't believe that even with some of my experiences um, that I am any kind of expert on how people should feel about sex work, violence against women, anything. I don't like to prescribe feelings my writing hopefully is not very didactic i like to ask questions Mm -hmm. i'm a question asker um i really encourage people to read this book and ask questions there's even a point where i say questions are like poetry they can save our life um so if you don't know exactly where you were supposed to land with that story then thank you for reading it in the way that i intended it Mm -hmm. it's very affecting it's very affecting um, we're going to run out of time if we don't have you here. Yeah, Read some more. some more. So let's get some more from, uh, um, so from you. A- as you may have guessed, I started us off right here in the V6A. Um, my first experiences were as a street-based sex worker, um, but I, I did change the type of work I did, the type of money I made, and certainly the type of um, clients I exposed to, and thus my um, poetry changed. And it got less dark and sincere, as that poem was, and a little bit more absurd. So hmm. I'll, I'll read you something a bit more absurd right now, which is called What's My Mother Effing Name? Hmm. I am thinking about a client. I don't know his name. He wasn't special. He paid 250 for the hour, just like my other clients, and that's all I really cared about. But he did say this one thing at the end of our sessions. After he had come and I had washed him off with a warm towel and let him sit in silence for a moment of what I assumed was shame, this client said to me, Now I feel human again. I am thinking of how the quest to find the first human is a cutthroat business. Scientists in Africa fall ill while hunting humanoid fossils, while other scientists in Africa race to discover unrecorded plants before they become extinct due to climate change, while other scientists in Africa supervise the rising statistics of the AIDS pandemic. 
paleontologists found Lucy in Ethiopia, though her three-million-year-old femur, right fibula, and right tibia have toured the USA more frequently than Metallica. <laughs> Lucy may be coming to a city near you, have you heard? Her bones neatly labeled and laid in a glass box. I am thinking of how my community is so keen on labels, I have more ID tags than dollars in my savings account. Queer, femme, third-wave feminist, daddy's girl switch mommy dom, clean and sober bar star, pillow queen, pomosexual, homo-flexible, post-gay, gay snot, turn community revitalist, art fag, lit nerd, whore. I am thinking the absurdist didn't really believe nihilism was an appropriate response to life. Rather, they were disillusioned playwrights, tired of pimping out plot. I am thinking about lost medicine. I am thinking about burned books. I am thinking about starlets with oversized heads, those Powerpuff Girls and Bratz dolls that are doing so well in the marketplace. They wear booty shorts and speak in baby voices, but by God, are they introspective. I mean, their heads are as big as the eight immortals of Tao. <laughs> wow! Workers in China toil up to 90 hours a week to keep up with manufacturing demands. Did you know? When asked about these inhumane labor conditions, the spokesman from Walmart said he had no comment. Did you know? I am thinking about the Indigo Navy ship tattooed on my grandfather's arm. As a young man, he lied about his age in order to sign up for the U.S. Navy at age 17 and fight in the Second World War. His family were WAPs, a term often thought to be without papers, Italian immigrants who managed to come to America just in time for anti-immigration legislation and the Depression. During his coming of age, my grandfather changed his name from Giovanni to John, converted from Catholic to Protestant, and became an illiterate Anglophone. He now lives in a trailer park in Florida, filed for bankruptcy last year, and walks with a crippled gait. A limp he's had for as long as I can remember. I think he's finally accepted I'm a homosexual as long as I continue to look like a lady. Mm -hmm. My client the human, you know, he limped too. I don't know why. I thought it would be a turnoff to ask him what had happened to his leg. It would have been a turnoff to ask him what he knows about vanishing flora, or worse still, vanishing nations. It would have been a turnoff to ask him what will happen to those Chinese factory workers when the Bratstall craze is over. What would Samuel Beckett say if he knew that Broadway musicals are all that have survived in the theater world? And what would Lucy think if she knew a drunk paleontologist named her after a Beatles song before she was returned to Ethiopia under international agreement. I never asked myself, would I pay $250 to feel human again? I love the way it goes all the way around and mm -hmm. includes all those things and comes back to that. Yeah, I was very interested in a form of poetry called a ghazal, which is a Persian or Arabic mm -hmm. form of poem where you're working with couplets. Um, and you can sort of, you know, traditionally you can rearrange these couplets. Um, each one is its own little meditative piece. You could take one out, you could add one in, and the poem will still work. Um, and these, what I read is obviously not in couplets. They're in quite meaty stanzas. Um, but I wanted the idea that... I could rearrange this poem any which way, and somehow it would still work. Mm -hmm. um, and I also just wanted to show people that, yeah, perhaps sex work is a rarefied topic, um, 
but really this world is full of absurdities and hardships and strangeness and we're kind of all in it together mm-hmm. um, so I wanted that sort of circular motion to get bring, have this idea that you know we're, we're all sort of included in this circle yeah I like the idea like I mean you were saying you assumed that he would feel shame but then felt like I'm finally feeling human mm-hmm. um, and just before you read that I was curious as to whether or not like those sorts of discussions occur between the prostitute and the john or the sex worker mm-hmm. and the john um like you know why or how open they are to talking about their lives that you know mm-hmm. like i think maybe an assumption that somebody's cheating on their wife or they're cheating on somebody but maybe they're just requiring human contact mm-hmm. that they cannot find anywhere else to. yeah absolutely i do think that there's um many sex workers out there who will who will um testify to the idea that you know we were really missing intimacy and touch and and a nice expression of human sexuality in our lives and oftentimes people have no idea where to get it mm-hmm. um and sex workers have kind of been the obvious go-to place um it's also just amazing what people will say after that sort of endorphin rush mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. sex uh you know i read a lot about the brain and the idea that um, sexual pleasure and actually deep memory come from similar places within the brain um, and i remember being you know a young sexually active teenager and just feeling fascinated of what um you know the rather um stoic young men who i was having my early sexual experiences would tell me after mm. we've been intimate together and i continued that fascination all throughout being a sex worker is you know what people will actually tell you after they've had sort of that release um Gosh, why are we so afraid of sex? It's just it's like the truth. Well, I guess it's a truth serum. So if yeah. you're afraid of the truth, you per- perhaps uh, could be afraid of the kind of release mm-hmm. that happens with 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 orgasm or with intimacy. So. Yeah, and the flip side of it could be that maybe that's the only maybe part of the reason you want that so much is because you also crave that moment when mm-hmm. you can, or when you will do that. Like it, you'll say you're truth or whatever that you might not ever say any other time i never did this i'm completely surmising but (laughs) i never did this as a sex worker but i wish i could have coached uh some of the men that came to see me to write to journal or to (laughs) read poetry or to write poetry because there's also this great you know truthful honest moment that can happen with being a writer so yeah were you writing when you were were a sex worker at the time yeah Yeah, absolutely um it it was part and parcel it gave me um many ideas many many ideas this entire book book's worth of ideas um and and also really helped me afford uh being a creative writing student so and in fact you know sort of um more outreach projects you know like the thursday writing collective down at the carnegie would be kind of the places Mm -hmm. where i would first encounter creative writing you know sort of in this neighborhood in the v6a or in the downtown east side um and you know I, i had lots of mentors along the way who would say you know hey keep writing you know keep doing this and eventually that led to to ubc and uh, and to you know this book and where i am now mm-hmm. so pam posted something on facebook that your first experience of seeing i guess spoken word was at a uh riot girl riot girl mm-hmm. reading well, where was word. that well, we're, first time hearing poetry was spoken word poetry yeah absolutely so i guess now we would refer to it more as slam or well um, no i think it's, it varies it's all it does some people like spoken word some people like slam yeah. but um 
it was in a kitchen in a how in a, it was so it was a house party where the show was happening in the kitchen and folks had crowded some were sitting on the countertops and others on the floor and uh, riot girl was this movement of uh, women who without having any many of which without having any formal education uh, wanted to be writers wanted to pick up a guitar and start bands uh, wanted to make sort of DIY films it was sort of an outsider art movement zines, zines exactly publish zines uh, self-publish get get your voice out there um, voice was sort of the hallmark mm-hmm. of what Riot Girl was um, but besides just uh, being having art and creation being accessible i found it was also a lot about surviving people talking about violence against women people talking about healing from post-traumatic stress and um it was the first time i ever knew that people talked about this so it was very exciting for me to be a hey art and writing is accessible anyone can do it go for it and then b uh, we have the tenacity to be candid about our experience where, you know, there was a real lack of shame um, and a real invitation of possibility in the Riot Girl movement. I'm so lucky I, I, I hit that um, when I was a young person. It really did wonders for me. Do you remember who was reading? Who you heard? Mm-hmm. Um, Nomi Lamb, who lives in San Francisco now and um, who is a fat and disability activist um, you know, also during that time, she was like on the cover of Ms. Magazine for like, huh. you know, like Ms. Magazine's top 10 women who are creating change. Like, you know, it was it was like this great time when sort of this DIY aesthetic mm-hmm. was part was being recognized. So uh, Nomi Lamb and uh, a band called Diamonds to Coal, which no longer exists. And I don't even know if you could find their music anymore, but they were scrappy and great. Cool. And I remember them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. There's that sense of that sense of kind of um, nostalgia for some of that stuff. Well, maybe not nostalgia because it's not sad, but that you you really get a sense of how important that was mm-hmm. to your survival and your finding your voice in in the book. I truly hope that's going on for young people, young queer people, young women, just young people right now, where they are getting excited about expressing themselves and they're finding community around it. Um, uh, we need it. I, th- I think it is. I think it's happening. Um, the book is called How Poetry Saved My Life. Was that the name of the book from the beginning? Is that the title you came up with? Or how did, how did it end up being called that? Yeah, that was when I pitched the book to Arsenal way back when. That was the original title. Uh, the surtitle, A Hustler's Memoir, took a little bit of time to figure out. Um, but How Poetry Saved My Life was... And again, I, I'm a question asker. I like questions. So right. it's it's a... It's a bit of a how did poetry how did poetry save my life well here's uh you know 150 odd pages of explanation to that question and i still didn't exactly answer it (laughs) well can we hear another attempted answer to it from the because we'll have time for one more probably something short (laughs) something short the time just flies by yeah okay so i'm going to read something for um folks who are lovers of the form poem it is a glossa which means i hinge this entire poem off of four lines from another poet that other poet is irving lighting also a, a canadian his lines are there are brightest apples on those trees but until i fabulous have spoken they do not know their significance or what other legends are hung like garland oral tradition 
I offer you this cracked teacup, a potted plant that falls, drunken youth who wrap their cars around lampposts, women break bar stools, bathroom mirrors, jawbones, neighbors who go missing. Fire consumes a city block, fire assumes human form and murders a nation, fire returns as black rain. And everywhere is a sight of damaged past, and everywhere is a sight of pending disaster, and everywhere serpents hang whispering, there are brightest apples on those trees. And what if the black waters chop in your own mind, that troubled panorama that vilifies shadows of late afternoon as they quietly unburden the daylight? Even simple bird song threatens to tear holes in the sky, and then what? The world unravels again and you unravel with it. But this emptiness you've come to know is fertile soil that waits for fireweed and milk thistles. But until you, fabulist, have spoken, no flower grows. Tell them to be brave and new, little trailblazers, little champions of life. Now look again at that tear in the sky. There dangles a slender foot or leg or twisting spine. A hand reaches from the rift. Call to her. The fall is only temporary. She fell like you fell, and she too will survive. But she does not know her significance until you tell her story. Let her fall to her first moment or fashion herself from the fables of those who came before. Let her create ancestors from clay and blood. Let them unbury themselves, old bones and stone carvings. Listen, under the din of day to day, what bright and flawless music. Open your eyes, what beauty is veiled in the dust. Speak, what remembrance, what narration, and what other legends are hung like garland. Thank hmm. you. You've been listening to some bright and flawless music. Our guest is Amber Dawn today here on Co-op Radio, 100.5 FM. Our show is Wax Poetic. And we're going to wrap up in a second. But where can, um, are you doing any readings? And where can people get your book? Yes. Um, for folks on Galliano Island or traveling to Galliano Island, Sweet. I will be at the Galliano Literary Festival in February. It's worth the trip over. Um, Little Sisters, People's Co-op Bookstore, uh, Arsenal Pulp Press's website, if you like online purchasing, are the three top places to get my book in town. And Lemon Hound. Paper Hound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paper Hound. Um, and we should mention that this book won the City of Vancouver yeah. book. Oh, thank you. It nobody... did. Yeah. And, and what, did you go to an award ceremony? What I did. Like? It was at Science World. And, um, you know, of course, uh, Poet Laureate Evelyn Lau was there. And nice. the mayor was there. And so many wonderful recognized artists were there. And I was just thrilled and beside myself to have won. It's fantastic that this this is such a good book and that the subject matter wins a city of Vancouver book mm-hmm. award. I mean, that's so good. I feel like we're a brave city and we want to know what actions we can take to make it a brave and yeah. safe, well, dignified maybe, city as well. Yeah. And well, maybe with Evelyn as a poet laureate, that might've, you know, had some sway in there too, you know, yeah, and she's with, definitely with one of your influences as well. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like her bravery and voice mm-hmm. when she came to that. Um, I would urge everybody to read the book. It's almost like an anthology on its own. That's not the only glossa. glossa. There are also other form poems, and there's narrative and kind of personal essay. And it's just a a really great book. So get out there and buy it. Support your local writers. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, speaking of which... Uh, there's a couple of events off the top of my head. Poetic Justice is happening Sunday at 3 in New Westminster at the Heritage Grill. One of the readers will be Ritalin. Also, uh, the Dead Poets are reading on Sunday at the Bank of Republic Library upstairs. You can go to the library and find out more specifically which Dead room it's at. channeling through live poets. And uh, Mash Poetics is coming up on January the 24th at uh, the Cosmic Zoo, a spoken word of music mashup night featuring tv theme songs rather than a specific album it'll be tv theme songs and uh also uh, the back of her poetry slam on monday has oh i can't remember his name but a fellow uh, david david lee morgan i think from uh the uk will be featuring at cafe de soleil uh sign ups at seven show at eight and uh, yeah check it out He's a big science spoken word writer techie guy okay. from the UK, I guess. Yes, That's what I just sure. from reading his bio. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you, Amber. Thank you so much. It was a delight to be here. It's so nice to have you on. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, Kagan and Kajin Go will be our guests next week. Until then, though, I'm R.C. Weslowski. And I'm Pam Bentley. This has been Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. No apologies necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what?